death row. Um, death, or thinking about death, is unavoidable, you know, because uh, it, it's around you all the time. When that door shut, it, it sounds like, sounded just like infinity, you know. It just felt like forever. And it made the loudest sound I ever heard. We're in our cell 22 and a half hours a day. And then our yard is just brick walls. I'm not able to go out to a yard and be with other people. If I'm not able to see um, things around me, whether it's trees, grass, birds, to talk to my family, um, get sunlight. When I heard the door slam the first night I was here, I was like, damn, this is a finality. This is the final say-so, the end. It's like my life story has been written, signed, and closed. The first night I got in Central Prison was probably the scariest night of my life. And I've been in some real scary situations, you know, but the first night in Central Prison was the scariest night of my life. I was in a dormitory. I didn't know anybody in the dorm, but it was all the noise, and I could feel the tension and the frustration and the anger, and I didn't know what to expect, you know, because this is the walls, you know, and behind the walls, you never know what to expect, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't sleep at all that night. My first night, I didn't sleep at all. I stayed awake watching the walls, man. You tend to reflect on your thoughts a lot. You tend to maybe regress into yourself a lot. You just have nobody. You truly are alone. And anyone who says, you know, I would love to be alone, I don't think they've been alone. So. Because when they do, they'll experience it and they'll, they'll hate it. It's the same thing day in and day out. It's just psyching ourselves out to make the best of the day. It's kind of robotic. If you just spoke to 100 guys today, you're the same thing. I get up in the get morning, up, I uh, wash up, I drink my coffee. Roll up my mattress, I roll get up, my brush my teeth, I'll drink some uh, coffee, drink water, brush my teeth. as I read and studied this passage in preparation for uh, today's message, I, I couldn't help but think of death row. You were spiritually dead. You followed the world's evil ways, doing whatever suited your wishes, and you were destined to suffer God's anger. Death row. Like a dead man walking. Now, I have to give you a little Troy UMC office insight. Uh, uh, by the way, welcome. I know, kind of a morbid uh, a beginning here, but um, you'll see where we're going soon enough. Um, uh, I'm really glad that you're here as we continue this um, chain-breaking 
study of the book of Ephesians. Um, and, and by the way, welcome to everybody who's uh, eating dinner right now, brisket, I take it, at Dinner Church in St. Jacob. Uh, really excited about what's coming in the next couple of months uh, and, uh, as a part of Dinner Church. So, so glad that you uh, made it here before school starts. Uh, we're glad, glad that you're here. Uh, but, but here in our Troy office, uh, when we get together for a, a brainstorming the worship services, I'll, I'll bring a little outline of the um, uh, of kind of the sermon series, a little bit of the, the passage of scriptures, the synopsis of what each message is going to be about, and we'll we'll brainstorm creative ideas that that kind of just uh, tie the whole theme together. And um, in cases uh, like like that, well, it happened for this series that that death row kind of came to mind. And, and afterwards, then I, I went to our director of connections, uh, Dave DeRemer, and, and I gave him an assignment to begin doing some video research in order to pull together uh, kind of a, a video like, like you just saw. And, and we had done this before I left on vacation. And so Dave has been looking at these videos for weeks, weeks and weeks. And, and a couple uh, just about 10 days ago or so, he had been looking at this stuff and watching video after video about death row, and he just uh, stepped into my office and said, well, uh, I'm officially depressed. <laughs> and and that's the what thinking about death row will do to you. I mean, no, no doubt about it. And it's, like the, it's kind of like watching an accident happen where you just can't take your eyes away from it. And so after David expressed his despair, I, I had to join in uh, a little bit. And so I watched some news stories and documentaries about death row also. And, and he was right. I, it, wa it, was, uh, it was very depressing. And after being found guilty of atrocious crimes, um, a death row inmate is typically confined to a cell about the size of this platform, 11 foot by 7 foot. He or she typically gets 15 minutes of phone conversation each day, um, an hour of open air exercise, uh, three prison-issued meals, and only about an hour of approved visitation each week. And most death row inmates are on death row for at least 10 to 20 years before their day of execution. Now let that sink in. 10 to 20 years of that life. Two sayings, uh, phrases kind of come to my mind. The first is de dead man walking. And that's the, the announcement that goes up when the day of execution finally comes. After the prisoner eats a meal of, of his request, he, he walks the green mile as the famous Stephen King book and, and movie made popular. But the, the other phrase that kind of comes to my mind is, is the walking dead. Right, not, not real zombies, uh, but, but metaphorically speaking. I mean, living for 10 to 20 years knowing that your judgment, the day of your execution is coming. It conjures up this image of, uh, in my mind, this, this idea of, of being alive, but not really being alive. 
Now, just to be clear, the scripture passage that was in the video is not referring to people on death row who have been convicted of what we might consider to be heinous crimes. No, that's, that's not what uh, this passage was directed to or who it was directed to. Uh, this passage is actually talking about us. It says clearly that we are spiritually dead when we follow the world's evil ways, when we don't follow God's ways, when we live according to our own desires, when we live to suit the wishes of, as the scripture says, our flesh, which is uh, a way of saying uh, our, our sinful human nature that never leaves us. And when we live that way, the Bible essentially describes us as the walking dead, dead men and women walking. Well, Pastor Andy, are, are we really dead? I mean, this seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? Don't most people around us live, I mean, they live by the, the, the ways of the world, right? Don't most people, including us at times, we, we uh, you know, follow our own ways. Occasionally we'll give God a nod in a few area of areas of our lives, but, but choosing our own ways whenever God's ways, you know, kind of make us uncomfortable or require more sacrifice than, than we would like to make. And, and most, peop most people are driven by their desires, desires for, for, for things like approval or, or comfort or, uh, or so that they can be in control or, or achieve and be successful. And what's so wrong with that? Especially if they're not hurting anybody. How is that? How is that being spiritually dead? Well, hear this. This, this is important. Um, spiritual death, it, it, it comes and is present whenever our identity, uh, our sense of worth and value, whenever it's wrapped up in something that will not last. For example, if out of our uh, natural desire to be loved and to be approved of by others, um, if you find yourself uh, finding your identity in a particular relationship that, that helps you feel approved of and loved, uh, uh, say uh, a relationship with uh, your mom or, or with your boyfriend or with your wife or, or even say with, with your child, then, then when things are, are going well in that relationship, that per person thinks highly of you, they're patting you on the back, they're making you feel good about yourself, you're feeling approved of and loved, then, then you're on cloud nine, you're flying high. But the moment things start to get rocky, it, it, it doesn't just hurt as it would just a normal relationship, but it undermines and unravels everything in your life. It's like the, the sky is falling. You're, you're devastated. It, it, you, you, you're paralyzed. You, if that's the case, um, you may find yourself doing whatever it takes to turn that around, to make sure that that relationship, that you continue to, to feel the love and a, a approval that, that you so desire, and you may find yourself compromising on many, many different levels in order to get those good feelings you, you, may, you may find yourself uh, being okay with just being walked all over. You, you may find yourself uh, compromising your body sexually. You, you may find yourself making poor financial choices in order to buy 
that love and approval. You may, you may find yourself not doing the hard work of parenting because you so desperately want your child to like you. If you're driven for the need of approval from others, you're, you're not really living. You're part of the walking dead. Or, or let's say you're driven by a desire for comfort and pleasure. You know, this is a common one. Uh, you've got the American dream in your mind. Your greatest fear really is to just be overwhelmed and stressed out and not able to do the things that, that, that you find uh, fun and enjoyable that, 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 and have the comforts and security that you feel like you need in order to feel good about your life. So you may be willing to, w without even batting an eye, make, make promises and then not follow through on them as it suits you. You might be willing to neglect responsibility in order to do what makes you feel good. You could find yourself becoming so self-focused in your spending habits because you feel you deserve that new toy or that great vacation or, or whatever it is. And if you're driven by this motivation, you, I mean, you'll, you'll certainly have some fun for a time. Uh, but according to this scripture, it's short-lived. You're a dead man or woman walking. You know, what God is saying here is pretty simple. Uh, living your life to fulfill your selfish desire really isn't living at all. It, it will likely mean the death of some really important things, like, like deeply intimate relationships or the higher purpose that you were created for. Um, it, it could mean the death of genuine hope, real freedom, and ultimately, your eternity. You know, this isn't violent rape or murder that leads to death row, but when you live to fulfill the cravings of, as the Bible says, your flesh, that sinful nature that never leaves us, then you're raping the good gift of life and creation that God has given you. You're murdering the vision of the life that God has had for you from long, long before he ever knit you together in your mother's womb. And these verses spell out the consequence when we live that kind of life. Death. Living under God's wrath, his anger, his judgment. We're walking dead. And God, at least according to the scriptures, God is not a God of the dead. Now, I fully realize uh, that to some degree I have lived my life to fulfill my own desires, as this passage explains. Uh, that there is a part of me that is dead. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll probably recognize the, the truth about your own life, that oftentimes you are driven by motivations for approval or success or control or comfort. Uh, maybe that describes you completely. Or, or maybe, maybe it only describes some of your attitude and action. Either way, though, it's spiritual death. But thank God it's not the complete story. You know, if you were here last week, you may recall this diagram that is also a part of your message notes in your bulletin insert. This is an overview of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, kind of in a graphical, visual form. And... and uh, the book of Ephesians really is a letter that the Apostle Paul, uh, who was an early Christ follower, he sent to uh, churches that he helped to start and uh, people that he loved uh, uh, to the cities in and around 
the mega city, ancient city of Ephesus. And, and Paul wrote the, this letter uh, while he himself was in chains, imprisoned for his faith in Christ. Uh, but last week, I made the overarching point that we, we can't take just a, a, a sliver or a segment of uh, the, uh, the scriptures like this, or, or in this case, this letter, and apply it to our lives without understanding the big picture, the overarching message of the entire letter, or else we could take something out of context and misapply it completely. Um, and Paul's overarching message to the Ephesians and to us, ultimately, through this letter is this. To know and experience God's great love for you. To let that be the thing that shapes your identity and who you are from the, the very depth of your being. And then, out of the foundation of that love that God has, has for us and has proved to us and shown us, uh, to live a life worthy of God's call to live rightly and justly and to follow God in, in all of your ways. R really, it's a, it's a pretty powerful letter with a, a really life-changing message. But you'll notice uh, that in this, in this overarching diagram that it's the, the first half of the, the body of the letter that where Paul is talking, he's praying and he's wanting to express uh, and this desire for all of us to know and experience the love of God. And it's within this section that this passage about spiritual death is present. And Paul starts off in, in this segment uh, with, with the, the verses that were at the end of the video by sharing the spiritual depth that envelops all of us. But that's not the complete picture. Paul goes on immediately afterwards to write uh, these words in an attempt to help his readers know and experience God's amazing love for them. He writes this, but God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace and the love he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Friends, this, this, in a nutshell, this is the gospel message. This is the heart of the entire message of the Bible. Verse 5, you and I were spiritually dead, but God brought us to life. In Christ, other translations say God made us alive with Christ. We were dead and God made us alive. Alive to find our identity in God's love. Alive for real intimacy and community and in our earthly relationships. Alive for a higher purpose, his, his call on our lives. Alive for hope, alive for freedom. And we were walking dead zombies 
who God had made human again. We were on death row and at the last second received a pardon and were set free. That is, if, if we are with Christ. And that's a big if. Um, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, but, but this is what I, I, I hope that we can each draw out of this, uh, these 10 verses, this passage of Scripture. And, and they're, uh, th- these are uh, written out in your message notes. I encourage you to follow along. But, uh, but first, uh, we, we read pretty quickly into this that we cannot, we cannot make ourselves alive. I mean, on our own, we are spiritually dead. On our own, we're on death row, walking dead, however you want to describe it. Without God, without God's intervention, we're doomed. We are lost. But we, now, don't get me wrong. We may have flashes of goodness. We may have flashes of, of uh, living rightly and living justly and loving. I mean, even prolonged flashes. Uh, and that's because... Every human being is made in God's image. There's some residual goodness um, in our lives because of God's grace, because we are made in his image. But that image has been distorted and broken by our sin and rebellion. And and that brokenness needs to be dealt with or we will remain in our default state, which is spiritual death. And, And we can't do a thing on our own to make ourselves alive. Without God, we're dead. And, and, I mean, newsflash, only God can raise the dead. Oh, but we'll try, won't we? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to make ourselves alive. Oh, we think oftentimes that by pursuing our earthly desires, that, that, that'll make us feel alive. That we, we'll, we'll be experiencing great life in doing so. In other words, we, we try to escape death row on our own. But that, that doesn't just, just happen. And that was a fun part of my research in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, prison breaks from death row, uh, few and far between. Uh, a convict may get out temporarily. That, that happens on occasion. But, but just like we might feel alive temporarily, um, but generally it's short-lived until we're caught again. And some of us will even try to escape and make ourselves alive in, in very spiritual ways. I mean, we'll, we'll do uh, some of what I spoke about last week. Uh, we'll, we'll do all the ethical and moral things that we can do. Um, we'll, we'll do all the right living stuff um, in order to make ourselves alive. But the, the second key here is found in some very famous passages, uh, verses from this passage, um, Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Simply say, it it is, uh, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. So secondly, out of this, uh, we learn that we cannot earn life. We can't do enough good things or live rightly on our own. We can't can't receive that gift out out of Uh, our good doings. It's God's gift to us, which we receive freely. And this is is what it means to be with Christ. God God made us alive with Christ when we received God's gift of Jesus. 
of his atoning life and death and resurrection. And by atoning, I simply mean that, that Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. Because, and because of his righteousness, the righteous life that he lived, God raised him from the dead. And, and when we are with Christ, when we are in him, when we are bound up, our lives are bound up with Christ, then when he is raised to new life, we're made alive too, with Christ. But we're not just made alive in, in order to join the ranks of the living dead. Uh, we were not made uh, alive with Christ to live for, for approval or comfort or power or control. Friends, we were made alive with Christ for so much more than, than living for the desires of this world. And, and this is the, the third thing that I'd really love to, to draw out from this passage. Um, and it's only briefly mentioned, but we are going to build upon this in, uh, next week as we get into the second half of the book of Ephesians. Uh, and this is, this is, so this is just a little foreshadowing. We're, we are made alive for a particular kind of life. Not just any old life, but a particular kind of life, a life of good. We're made alive to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the, the very image of God in a world full of dead men and women walking. Uh, a, a shining beacon of light in a world that is plagued under a cloud of darkness. We aren't made alive for ourselves, although there is great, a great personal benefit in being alive with Christ. We're not made alive for ourselves, but we're made alive to serve, to be God's ambassadors in a foreign land. It is a calling worthy of the love that God has shown us. And we'll focus more on, on what that looks like practically um, next week. But for now, I, I simply want to ask you some pointed, reflective questions. And these aren't in your message notes, so you might want to jot these down. So uh, dinner church folks, uh, table leaders, jot these down so you can have this conversation around your table. If you're a journey group leader, uh, jot these down because these, these can become uh, good reflective questions for you personally, but also for your journey group. Um, two questions. Ask yourself, to what degree am I experiencing being made alive with Christ? To what degree am I experiencing being made alive with Christ? Um, and, and secondly, what parts, what parts of my so-called life are really spiritually dead? What parts of my so-called life are, are re really spiritually dead? And then reflect back on, on this passage. Only God can make us and he does so through the gift of Jesus and he makes you alive for a purpose to, to be with you as you reflect his life in a world that is so full of death. You know, our God is not a God of the dead. I said that uh, a few minutes ago. Um, I, our God is a God of the living. And and what, what I mean by that is, I mean, first off, you, you, you you browse through the scriptures. Now you just, you get to know the scriptures 
And that is a common theme that our God is a God of the living. I had read the, 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 the Bible cover to cover a handful of times before somebody pointed that out to me and I realized, you're absolutely right. I mean, over and over and over again, our God is described as the God of the living. And, and, and I think, you know, that, that, that's not to mean that God isn't with uh, our loved ones who have passed away. Uh, that, that's not what it's talking about because you can die an earthly life and still be with Christ. Uh, that, that's the, 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 the hope that we cling to. Uh, but, but when you're not with Christ, you're spiritually dead. And, and our God is not a God of the spiritually dead. Our God is a God of the living. He's a God of the living. God comes to give life and to conquer death. And a life with Christ is life. So don't wait. I don't, don't wait to come to Jesus to be with Christ. It's it, truly as simple as sincerely offering your heart and your life to him. And, and um, in a moment, we're going to have a time of offering where those of us who call this our, our church home, we give back to God our, our first fruits uh, to the, the work of God through uh, this local church. Um, so I would really just like to pray um, for our offering that, that we don't miss the greater offering that we can make. Not a financial offering, but an offering of our heart, an offering of our life. Say, God, I'm, I, I'm giving you the things that I'm clinging to so that I can experience real life with you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you uh, for not giving up on us when we were spiritually dead, when we were locked in the slammer, when we were on death row waiting execution. I mean, you could have walked away. You could have scrapped it all and, and started over, but you didn't. God, you sought us out. You became flesh in Jesus and, and you gave up your life so that we might be made alive. And many of us gathered here today just in like the songs that we've been singing where we just simply want to say thank you for saving us, for, for making us new, for giving us life. God, we owe you everything. So today, would you take our humble offering and use it so that others can hear and know and be made alive too? And maybe, just maybe, some of us are ready to sincerely give you our heart for the first time or the hundredth time so that we may be with you, Jesus, and be made alive in you. We offer ourselves and pray this all in your name, Jesus. And the people of God said, amen.